You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And a very warm welcome back to Solidarity Breakfast. A left response to the major developments in capitalism. What they trade in is not wheat. They trade in famine. A little dose of revolutionary optimism. I think it's really important to sort of express solidarity globally. It really is a deal by corporations for corporations. The union forever defending our rights down with the black If you think the ABC's left wing, don't listen to this program. Solidarity Breakfast, 7.30 to 9am Saturdays, 3CR, 8.55am. Streaming and 3CR Digital, podcast or audio on demand. And of course, the website, solidaritybreakfast.org.au. Solidarity forever! Good morning everybody, Annie here for Solidarity Breakfast on 3CR, your community radio station. Just a heads up uh, and a cheerio to my little mate Jason. Thank you very much for your well-wishing calls each Saturday morning. Uh, Today we're going to uh, go down to Techno Park Drive, uh, what's going on down in... uh, Williamstown uh, under Hobsons Bay Council, uh, Techno Park Drive uh, residents, over a hundred of them uh, uh, and their supporters rallied at uh, the foreshore of Altona on Tuesday uh, before the council meeting that was going to be uh, talking about their future. They all received eviction notices and uh, they want to know why. Uh, and they want changes and uh, it was fascinating because uh, they were walking from uh, Logan's Reserve up to the Civic Centre in the uh, 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 gathering dusk and uh, there were people sitting in their flats uh, and little kids waving to them. It was a major community event down in Altona on uh, the 8th Tuesday um, of August, and so we'll give you a report on that event. Uh, we're going to um, talk to uh, uh, Connor Flynn about uh, the arms around uh, Preston Market and some developments the government has uh, put forward, some new planning overlays. We'll have a chat with Connor about what that might actually mean. It's sort of a tactic uh, of saying that uh, the community dissent is against social housing perhaps uh, is a new focus of the government, uh, setting an agenda and creating competing interests. But we'll see what's going on there. Uh, Later on we'll hear from the NUS rally that uh, was held on Wednesday uh, to mark the dropping of the nuclear bomb on Nagasaki. There, of course, was uh, the rallies on Saturday, uh, Sunday for Hiroshima Day. Uh, and uh, we might have some um, room for uh, alerting you about a film that's on at uh, the uh, ACME today. If we've got enough time, uh, rebel with a cause. Uh, before we move on, though... Uh, I'll tell you about a couple of rallies that are on that you might want to slate into your diaries before we continue with our uh, chat today. Uh, there's going to be a rally at 9.30am outside the Melbourne Convention Centre, a pro-trans rally to counter a right-wing rally against the Drag Expo, which is going on at the moment inside Jeff's Shed. 
11 a.m. is Hands Around Preston Market, which is an, another event that the community is putting on to save the uh, local icon, the Preston Market, from uh, developers. Uh, and at the same time, a conflict, 11am, fighting for Forest National Day of Action at Parliament Steps. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, you just got to choose which one you've got to go to. Uh, apparently, it was uh, announced that uh, Robbie Robinson, the uh, one of the key players in uh, the band, died. So we thought we might kick off the day before we actually chat with one of his songs, one of the band's songs, in um, uh, singing for the union. Corn in the field, I listen to the rise when the wind blows across the water. King Harvest is surely come I work for the union Cause she's so good to me And I'm bound to come out on top That's where she said I should be
Yeah, King Harvest to go back to the um, the halcyon days of the sixties and seventies. Uh, fabulous uh, guitar work, uh, very cool stuff. That was the band Robbie Robinson passing away. Valet Rob, uh, Robbie Robinson. Lots of important people have uh, been dying over the last few weeks uh, in the music area. Uh, we're going now to uh, Techno Park uh, Tuesday eighth uh, rally beginning at Logan's Reserve on. Altona Beach foreshore and uh, walking up to the Civic Centre, about 150 people in the gathering dusk. Uh, in this first part, uh, this is a lot of vox pop and uh, you'll hear in amongst there uh, Daria Callerton, who's the uh, only uh, independent councillor that was there uh, from the uh, uh Hobson's Bay Council and uh, at the end uh, she directs me to talk to another councillor from another area and Sue Bolton of course was there, she's from Merribick because there's a gag order on uh, (laughs) councillors actually speaking about uh, the details of uh, what's going on in uh, that uh, area. So first up uh, we'll go to the Vox Pop. I cut my holiday short by 50%, thinking I'm going to come home, all my stuff's going to be out in the street, and yeah. it's like, you know, I'm going to be, you know, eviction. So, um, and there was other people that same day, Lara was overseas, where um, they had a family member died, you know, it's like, you don't need this extra stress of, you know. Mm-hmm. And same, it doesn't matter whether you're renting or you own it or whatever it may, may yeah, be. Absolutely. And now the council's saying, oh, you know, you should have read, this, read the section 32, and it should have been this, and it should have been that, you yeah. know. Yeah, okay, maybe it should have been, but at the end of the day, it's still a home. People are living there, it's, you know, and it's a community, you know. Um, it's it's more than just accommodation. It's it's um, it's memories. It's it's um, lifestyle. It's yeah, it's everything, you know. So, so if they wanted you to leave, uh, what are they expecting to do with the land? Well, they're just saying it's that's the whole thing is it's a zoning issue. They're just saying that it's industrial, can't be lived in, it shouldn't be lived in. Yet it was built for immigrant um, accommodation. That's what it was built for, and it's been used for accommodation since the 1950s. There's been people living there literally full time. Might not necessarily be the same person, but yeah. I heard that they were saying that it was because the land was contaminated or something. No, nah, no. Nah. At this stage, it's purely just a zoning issue. They're saying it's zoned industrial one, and that doesn't um, accommodate for residency, so people can't live there. I think they're a bit hesitant to say that it's dangerous or that it's it's toxic or whatever it might be, because there's literally 2,000 homes that are closer on the other side of the railway lines, but they're saying, oh, well, they're zoned residential, so it's not an issue. It's because we're zoned industrial that it's an issue. You've been living there for 14 years, 14 right? 14 years, yeah, 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 full time. So. And you were saying that uh, someone you know has I've been living there? I've got a friend that's been there for 21 years, yeah, yeah. And apparently the longest resident we can find has been there 28 years. So, And it's never been an issue. Council are happy to take rates, happy to register pets, happy to do everything else. And now all of a sudden it's uh, it's become an issue. It's incredibly shocking, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. It's well, it's it's been quite emotional. It's been, yeah, um, draining mentally, and yeah. So. And what was this about people uh, getting, uh, they sort of hunkering down? So 50, 50% of probably the residents are, are sort of gone into ostrich mode where sticking their head in the sand and hoping it goes away. But there's people that have literally like thrown all the pot plants out, pulled the blinds, they're turning off the, their power meter at night so in case council come around checking you know, if people are there or not. And they're living in fear. 
um, that they're going to be evicted because they've got nowhere else to go. And and some people actually own these places, yeah, don't yeah, they? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's about 50-50. Um, and that's effectively then they've said, oh, well, it's, it's, it's zone one industrial um, slash commercial. You can only use it as an office space. You can't be there after 8 p.m. You can't do this. You can't do that. It's going, well... So people have put their livelihood, their investment into buying these places that are now literally worthless. So with no compensation, the council keeps referring to, um, oh, well, that they'll refer us to um, services required, mental health, housing, everything else, which are all overwhelmed as it is. And as I said, okay, you want me out, you want me to go, give me an alternative. Where am I going to go? They keep saying, oh, we'll refer you to housing and um, they'll help you out. Well, there's a five-year wait for emergency housing. There's a 20-year wait for general housing. What good is that to anybody? Where's the help in that, you know? And then they go, oh, if there's mental health issues, you go, well, there is because you've caused it by giving us a a letter of eviction saying they want us out, which is just ridiculous. Um, Council have known that people have lived there um, and um, for them to say that, oh, they've only become aware of it and whatever the case may be is, is just ridiculous. And even if it is, well, work with us. Let's, you know, Dave, council have come out and said that, yeah, it is possible to rezone it, but it's a little bit too hard and we really sort of don't want to do that. So, and we go, well, you know, we're, we're ratepayers, we're taxpayers, we, we live within the community. You know, you're, you're uh, voted into power to help the local residents, to help the, the local community will help us. Yeah. Well, we're at uh, Logan's Reserve in Altona, just down from the Civic Centre, uh, just before a uh, council meeting. We're all going to go up there, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. so we've got, um, we've got members of the community that are going to go to the council meeting tonight. Um, we have to su- submit in writing questions to the council prior to the meeting. Um, those questions will be tabled and the council will read out um, pre-written answers to those questions. Um, and yeah, which w- we did it at the previous council meeting and it was basically just a fob off. It was, you know, they said, oh, you know, yeah, we're very sorry. It's a very sad situation, but yeah, tough. Well, um, one of the councillors is uh, putting forward a motion to get them to cease and desist, really. And that's all we're asking is is for the eviction notices to be rescinded um, and basically for the council to work with us as a community to resolve this issue. You know, there's up to 100 people being affected directly, not not to mention family and and friends that are also being affected by it. And, yeah, we just want the council to, to, to work with us um, they know there's a solution to it that is is achievable, and they're just not even entering into it at the moment. Regarding the the council putting forward a motion, um, it needs to be second. And no other councillor has stepped forward at this stage to second that motion. The, not the Labour or the Greens. No, nobody, nobody. Yeah. So she's an independent, um, and she's literally on her own. Nobody within council is supporting her. Mm. Working to try and get the mobile tanks to be closed down because they're unsafe, because they're too close to your houses. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the people here at Techno Park are being told that uh, it's not safe while you're being told that it is safe. No. No? What's going on? We're just not being told. (laughs) We just haven't been told yet. I could probably give you a bit of paper. Okay. We'll explain it. You've got the Techno Park eviction notice, which is issued now. The um, BPS, which is this form, which is the um, Better Place in Spotswood. 
um, are in this area for ring for Spotswood, mm -hmm. and Newport is here, which says no sense of use such as housing, education, medical facilities below in the, within the buffer zone, and there's all these houses within the inner buffer zone, and they're not being notified of their risk. Righto. It's a bit haphazard, isn't it? You know, one group of people are being told one thing and another group of people aren't told anything. That's right, and we found out for ourselves. And um, that boundary now, because of new tanks, we've said here um, within the Spotswood area, the um, approval of new tanks within the Spotswood, encroaching on the Spotswood, there's been tanks put in here, which has moved that boundary out right up to up to there. So a lot of, a lot of there's another couple of hundred houses have been incorporated within the inner buffer zone which there's supposed to be no residential areas in. Yeah and uh, that of course not just affects the people who have bought houses there um, in good faith but all the others. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's thousands of houses affected by it. It's huge. It is huge. Right. So you just scratch the top of a, uh, a pimple and this, this is this scratching the top of the pimple. This is very, very minor. Uh, we've got the major hazard facilities, which are these tanks that are shown there. There's also the problem with the major hazard pipelines that pump the fuel through. They were put, put in in 1972 with a 40-year design life and a 50-year uh, product life. It's now 53 years and they're still using them. So you don't have a lot of confidence in the handling, the public handling of these uh, issues? It's the regulators that the issues with. The um, owners of the institutions, the infrastructure, uh, get all the requirements they need to do whatever they want to do. It's the regulators that are letting the public down. That's Hobson's Bay Council, uh, WorkSafe and uh, EPA of the three regulators that are involved. And there's also the regulators for the pipelines that um, haven't been regulating the pipelines. They're just allowing them to continue. So do you live in the buffer zone? Yeah, yeah I live up here. OK, yeah, yeah, right. Can I ask you your name or is...? No. no. OK, that's OK. Yeah. Uh, the Techno Park Action Group have been hit first with uh, eviction orders. But it looks under the um, application of the uh, buffer zones or the, the failure to put in proper buffer zones that a lot of other people, thousands of other homes, will be affected in the near future. Can, are you a resident of Techno Park? I am, yeah. Um, I, so are you glad that people have turned up to help you out here? Oh, yeah, it's wonderful to see people. So how are you feeling? I mean, what happened? Did you get a letter? Yeah, I got a I got a letter originally. It was horrific, um, and I felt a lot better when I realised that people were, you know, all in the same boat, and we really, um, you know, we made one another feel better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, everybody's going to fight. Yeah, we are. They are. Yeah. I know, it's amazing, I can't believe it, you know, we got four, oh, first of all I thought there were 4,000 signatures, but now there are 10,000, save our homes. Do you come from here? Um, Altona Meadows, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you've heard about what's happened at Techno Park? Yes, we have, yeah, we were talking to a couple down the street the other day, so we're here to support them. 
Yeah. <laughs> Your residence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so did you get it? It's all going to be by Zoom now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what the council the meeting? Council meeting. They cancelled it. Really? Yeah. So they're doing it. No, not cancel it. They get, they're, all, they're doing it remotely. They're not doing it in council chambers, and they're not going to let any public in or any questions. So oh. they've chickened out. So yeah, I'll call that a victory. <laughs> we don't get to ask our questions, unfortunately, or hear any answers. But they didn't want to answer your question, maybe. Yeah, we don't know whether they will. Normally, they say that you have to be present in the meeting to have your questions answered. So we don't know if um, they'll answer them in their virtual meeting or, or not. I hope they will. We've given all our questions to Matt Tyler, um, who's one of the councillors who, who told us that he, all he can do is ask questions and we've asked that he asked them on our behalf, but he hasn't confirmed whether he will or not yet. Now, was there a seconder to the motion that uh, they cease and desist? Uh, you could ask Daria Kellender, who's here, about that. Okay. Um, to my knowledge, no, no councillor responded to the motion, and then the CEO has blocked it. Are you Daria? Yes. Okay. Legal advice and having council potentially release the legal advice to all councillors, and I was told that that wasn't possible. Um, and I was asked whether I asked also whether it was possible um, for a councillor to put up a resolution of council to rescind or revoke or reverse the, um, the um, eviction letter and I was also told that that wasn't possible. So I'll be asking those questions tonight. Okay, and so why have they gone to Zoom? Um, they've cited um, potential security risks, so they've moved the meeting to, to Zoom. So does that, when they say security risks, are they saying that they're frightened of their constituents? Um, I'm, I'm not, as obviously I'm, I'm just a councillor, I can only express my views. Um, well, you're I, obviously not scared of them because you're here. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not scared of, of people, happy to have a conversation. Um, but yeah, from a council perspective, that's a CEO and uh, question directed to the mayor. So um, look, you know, I'm standing out here with the, the residents of Techno Park and, and their supporters. Um, and yeah, a nice bunch of people. And um, I guess, yeah, it's, it's, it's not OK to evict people from their homes, particularly at this time um, with the, the economic and... Um, housing crisis and cost of living crisis. Have you, uh, as a councillor, come across uh, issues of uh, um, a growing concern around uh, the increased uh, uh, development of tanks that are forcing back the buffer zone around residential areas in this area? This so I don't think it's actually that widely known that the buffer zones have, have increased and I think that we're probably potentially going to hear more and more as um, developments get knocked back. Okay, so it's an ongoing issue in your term? Yeah, I think it will be an ongoing issue. Yeah. Codes of conduct and things like that that restrict us from speaking, um, they're really gagging on us. And that's where it's really good if you were to get another councillor from a different area because it doesn't impact them specifically, they'll be able to say whatever they want to say. So yeah. I can't say things, but you're not a councillor here, so you can say anything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, all right, all good. All right, so, um, so, so what, what, what's your impression of this council's approach to these issues? Is it normal for a council to uh, send out eviction notices like this and expect people to get out overnight? Well, I wouldn't say it's normal, um, but regardless, it's shameful and outrageous and I think is entirely unnecessary. There's, um, 
I mean, I think, you know, local residents have been told various stories as to why the council's done this, but I think there's absolutely no need. If there was an immediate safety issue, then what you do is you'd organise alternative, like immediately, like people's life was fully in danger, um, then maybe you might organise alternative accommodation for people. But I don't believe that's, um, that's the case here. Yeah, we're down at uh, Techno Park Drive. You're on 3CR with Annie on Solidarity Breakfast. It's a rally that was held Tuesday. Uh, it was at uh, Logan's Reserve on uh, Altona Beach and it was uh, going up to uh, the Civic Centre. And as you can see, it was a moving feast in the sense that uh, the people believed that they were going up to the Civic Centre to uh, show uh, support for questions to council about the eviction notices. But of course, the council then made it a Zoom meeting just before the rally got to the Civic Centre. So it was uh, uh, didn't deter the people. Uh, but uh, also uh, the issue of the buffer zone, this is going to be, this is a simmering sore, I'd say. Melbourne has five days of fuel storage available to it. Did you know that? I learned that on Tuesday night. And most of it's being held in the tanks around that area. And uh, if you go back to the Coot Island fire in the 80s, the commission into that fire came to the conclusion that this industrial infrastructure was too dangerous to be in an inner city location. But because Kennett got in, uh, they... uh, shelved the report and now there's this creeping uh, issue about the extending buffer zone with uh, residential housing up cheek and jowl against these storage units so this is a uh, a a plot a pot thickening I'd have to say Uh, anyway as I said the group of people there were not deterred and they went on to speak Uh, in the rally and then walked up to uh, the Civic Centre. So let's hear what they were saying at the rally that was held at Logan's Reserve. Can you all hear me? My name is John Shaw. I've lived in the area for a long, long time. I grew up on a farm in Fitzgerald Road, Laverton. Laverton. It wasn't even called Laverton North in those days. Anyway, I started working at Altona Council in 1964 and I worked in local government for 30 years. I've got to say, this decision of the council, in my opinion, is the worst decision that the council, the local council, has ever made in my lifetime. I also believe that they could not have picked a worse time to try and evict people from their homes. Everybody knows that you can hardly rent a place these days and it's difficult if you haven't got the money to be able to buy one. Uh, And yet, they choose to try and kick you out. The place has had people living in it, I believe, since the 1950s, when there were Nissan huts on the site. And I believe that this act of the council is just an act of bastardry. I'm sorry to use those terms, but that's what I feel. Having heard this afternoon, that those of us that could attend the meeting tonight are no longer able to attend. I think that's a very cowardly decision of the council and we should never support people that are cowards. Hi everyone, 
Um, my name's Arnie. I've lived there for 14 years. I moved in, I thought I'd be here six months, get myself back on my feet and then out of here. But it's a great place. Mm. Yeah? I mean, <laughs> it's a community, you know? There's not many communities around. You've got the You've got these big buildings around, you know, or, or long streets where people don't know their neighbours. But at Techno Park, it's a community, you know. A few years back, I had a heart attack, and I, I went, I called my next door neighbour, and he took me to the hospital. You know, it's, you rely on on the people you're with. You rely on your neighbours, and it's like that's what community is. Now the thing is that what we have now. I mean, I'm retired now, and what I've noticed is that, like, the world is changing. It's us against them, you know, and them being the bureaucrats, you know. It's it's like people are being crushed, you know. You, you're not allowed to be nice to each other, you know. You're not allowed to walk around and sort of help each other. It's, 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 that's the way it's changing. We, and we've got to change that back. You know, we've got to sort of say hello to people when we're walking down the street. We've got to say hello to the neighbours. You know, we've got to help our people around us, you know, because we can all do that. And that's what's needed in the world now. And this is, if we can get on with this, if we can bring that council to its knees, then the next council will fall, and the next one, it's a dominoes, you know? That's what we're up against, this bureaucracy. And people with feelings, people with emotions can bring down bureaucracy every time. Okay? So we're going to go up there and we're going to show them that we're something to be dealt with. Okay? Thanks. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. My name's Jorge Jorquera. I'm a local councillor. Before you boo, though, I'm not from Hobson's Bay. Uh, although I should say there is one councillor here standing by you from Hobson's Bay. I'm a local councillor in neighbouring Maribyrnong. First thing I'd like to say in that capacity, I've sent a letter to all the local councillors here, I haven't even got a polite, got your email response. You may well have got your eviction notices from bureaucrats, but the responsibility is on those elected councillors. You've got to put, as we're doing right now here today, pressure on those councillors their spineless actions to not even stand for the decision that's been made to evict you is absolutely incredible. It's been described by a, a number of people exactly as it is, bastardry, spineless. These are people who are supposed to, well, in the first place, elected somehow to be representative. They're people who are also governed by a local government act that talks and talks about transparency, accountability. Where are they when they're supposed to be representing you. That's where we're going to keep the pressure up, on those councillors. It seems to me a particularly brutal irony that we're meeting here today in support of the Techno Park residents, threatened with eviction, during Homelessness Week, National Homelessness Week. What a cruel fucking irony that we're here meeting in defence of your human right to a home. In the lead-up to Homelessness Week, it started yesterday, a range of reports have come out. You've probably all seen them. One of the reports that came out in the last few days estimates that 
within the next seven years, half a million Australians, older Australians, this is just in the older category, over 50, will struggle to find a stable home. We know that 67% of people in Australia right now are in housing stress. And that housing stress is a very weak definition, as people have pointed out, because it's defined as having to pay either in mortgage repayments or rents more than a third of your income. A lot of those people in that 67% are paying 40%, even 50%, including people paying mortgages. Certainly where in the city of Maribyrnong, we have a lot of people who are in massive stress, housing stress, because of the mortgages they've got into in recent times. That's to say nothing of renters. Over 84% of renters are officially in housing stress. Here you have a council. How many of them are there? Well, apart from the one supportive council here, another six councils or seven or whatever it is that aren't even willing to face you. They're not even willing to face you. They close down a meeting with poor excuses, poor excuses about security, whatever it is. I understand that you have to have a ticket here to attend a council meeting. What sort of outrage is that? That you have to have a ticket to attend a council meeting. You know, it's not a deli. It's a level of government where you elected people, you elected people. I tell you what, if these people won't face you, they're going to be facing you anyway. Next September, October, whenever it is, you've got to run against these councillors. If they will not support you in this basic human right, all of you, every one of you should run in that election against those councillors and make sure they're all out on their ass. Thank you everyone so much for being here. My name's Lara, I'm a resident at Technopark Drive. Um, the council has treated people here like we are disposable and your presence and your solidarity tells us that we are not. Thank you so, so much for supporting Technopark residents. I wanna to say too that we stand in solidarity with all people in insecure housing. Um, I just wanted to read a uh, a note from a Technopark mother um, that I think sums up something very true about our community. She wrote, my son lives at Technopark. The residents are fantastic and have not only planted the grounds with native grasses and trees at their own expense, but also maintain the area, not at council's expense. They assist in removing rubbish from the public paths and the waterway along Kororo Creek. They regularly report wildlife issues and vandalism relating to public property and they look out for each other. Why on earth would the council want to lose exemplary residents like these? They should be showcased and applauded. Surely the council were aware that people have been living here for the last 30 years. Hobson's Bay City Council, you have a real gem here, a microcosm of inner city communal living. If only more apartments and flats could achieve what these people do. Um, that's a beautiful, true statement about us, but we also know that housing is a human right and whatever the people, people deserve to be treated with care and respect and dignity and no one should be evicted from their home. Thank you very much. Once a home, always a home, say Techno Park. Once a home, always a home, say Techno Park. Once a home, always a home, say Techno Park. Hi, I'm Ruby from Fitzroy Primary and you're listening to Community Radio on 3CR. 
Yeah, you're with Annie on Solidarity Breakfast and that was a report from the rally that was held on Tuesday for Techno Park Drive residents uh, and, uh, of course, the Hobson Bay Council said that it was all just too insecure and it had to go to Zoom. <laughs> but the uh, people are going to fight on and uh, September the 3rd is going to be a community barbecue being held down at Techno Park Drive. Uh, the fight continues. Go to their Facebook page. Uh, you'll find out more. Uh, sign their petition. As someone said, they thought that there was 4,000 signatures but now there's 10,000 so this is a a hot hot topic and another hot hot topic is of course Preston Market and the future of Preston Market and we've got Connor Flynn in here to talk to us about it. G'day Connor, how are you? Good for a Saturday morning Annie, how are you? Yes it was raining, how dare it? It was a struggle to get from Reservoir this morning to the studio, but here we are. Yeah, that's right. Now, uh, the um, wonderful Victorian government has sent out a release, 7th of August, very recent. Melbourne's beloved Preston Market will be protected for years to come, thanks to new planning controls introduced by the Andrews Labor government to preserve the market's rich heritage while boosting housing choice. Sounds good. If a song by the church could sum up this recent <laughs> state of events, it's almost with you, like, I'm almost with you, I can, you know, is this the taste of victory? Well, not quite. I mean, <laughs> Sonia Kilkenny has been sitting on this since April. She said that the government would protect the Preston market, but as one of our campaign spokespersons, Con Lambros, said to the age during the week, the devil is in the detail. What the government has proposed is really a compromise solution of where they'll ensure the protection of the market for its cultural and heritage um, significance, um, but promising the retention of a substantial part of the market. So it's not the full market, but also they're allowing that rather than allow Salter to have 2,200 apartments, it's split in half. So they're allowing any potential development to be 1,000 apartments. Yeah, 1,000 apartments, and uh, which sounds like a massive amount. Um, they must be very skinny and very small. <laughs> Yeah, all these dog boxes, we, you know, they're people's joy and dream. Um, but uh, I notice also that um, there's sneaking into their rhetoric is this uh, new uh, agenda-setting notion that uh, community groups that are dissenting uh, are actually trying to undermine uh, housing. You know, our campaign has never been opposed to development of the market, as long as the market remains where it is. But... In our discussions and consultation meetings and meetings with government, we've always stressed that if there's going to be development around Preston Market, then there has to be a heavy emphasis on public housing, social housing. But as we know, the Andrews government claims to be a friend of public housing tenants, but the big build is grossly inadequate, and you only have to look to Barack Beacon of whether forcibly evicting public housing tenants. So we don't buy into the notion that our campaign is opposed to housing. If anything, we're friends of public housing, not opponents of it. Yeah, well, that's interesting because we went to Parliament and listened to them and they actually said in Parliament that they have been building public housing, which is a lie. What was the report? It's about only a gross total of 74 units have been built since the big build has commenced under this government and you only have to look at a public housing estates. I oh, know the former Walker Street estate is longer there. There's redevelopment in inverted commas in Clifton Hill, in in Mooney Ponds, etc. So it's a furphy. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, if you just keep saying it uh, often enough. And the other thing that's interesting in this press release is this uh, uh, precinct-specific development plan overlay and heritage overlay, endless amounts of overlay, activity centre zone development contribution plan overlay, environment audit overlay, a her- heritage overlay and a parking overlay. Competing interests. What does that all mean? I'm still trying to figure it out myself, but I think, if anything, the government's trying to claim that they're going to protect the Preston market, but if anything, we must remember that they've been forced into this position. During the very brutal lockdowns that all of us in this city and this state endured in 2021, the government, with the Victorian Planning Authority, commenced hearings um, about the proposed redevelopment of the Preston market site. They were expecting that they would face no opposition whatsoever, More than 386 submissions were made, of which 380 were opposed to this development. Um, But coupled with developments that occurred, the development of our community campaign with mass meetings, with our entry into electoral space where the Labor Party almost lost the seat of Preston for the first time, they have been forced into a position of compromise. And so they're trying to present um, to the public that, oh, we really care about this we really care about the market, even though the Preston market has always been a beacon of development for successive governments. And Salter, the private owners of the market, have always known that since they purchased the site in 2004 for about th- for what would have been $36 million at the time. Yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is that it's um, they've just reassessed their language so that they can get the same outcome that they've always wanted. Mm. I mean... They're more than happy to facilitate Salter to still profiteer off the site. However, they've put a limitation on how much they could possibly make, which, you know, Salter have claimed in the press this week that, oh, we weren't consulted by the government. Mate, you've known about this since April, so we don't buy into that. Yeah, right. Known, okay. Yeah. So this is this is just a tactic, another tactic. Mm. Uh, and so they're still keeping an eye on the ball. Now, it could be that they're, as you were saying, they're in all no- good negotiations, you go in... Uh, asking for more than you expect to get. So if they were saying they were after 2,000, maybe they were really only ever after 1,000. Who knows? I mean, you've got to remind, people must remember that when Salter first put development on the table in, what, 2016, 2017, they wanted to build up in upwards of 30 storeys. And then you had the first iterations of campaigns to save the Preston market. There were mass rallies in 2017. That forced then Planning Minister Richard Wynne to implement you know, limitations on how much development could occur at the site. Um, and that shaved it off by from 29 stories to 14. And now you've seen the gradual reduction once again over that time frame. Yeah, well, it's interesting because uh, people have kept their eye on the ball and it's important. The, um, the thing about Preston Market points to something about quality of life and richness of social fabric, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's not only is it an economic hub, but it's also a cultural hub. It's a social hub. It is really the beating heart of not only Preston and the northern suburbs, but of a city. And there's not many communal spaces like that in Melbourne. And it's beggar's belief that you think of Queen Victoria Market, you think of South Melbourne Market, you think of Dandenong Market. Um, The Preston Market is the only market of its nature that's actually privately owned. And when you tell people on the street about it, people are shocked and appalled. Ah, yes, right. And so it's really, uh, what's going on is that uh, uh, Melbourne can just 
be a whole lot of corridors of very tall buildings and uh, um, the closed faces of uh, a whole lot of apartment buildings if it doesn't have places like Preston Market. Absolutely. And as you and I have discussed over the years is that Melbourne could have been a very different place had it not been for the like of progressive trade unions like the BLF and also community groups who actually stood up and opposed, you know, people back in the 70s wanted to knock down Queen Victoria Market. They wanted to knock, got rid of the Carlton Baths. They wanted to destroy green open space. And we know the importance of when the community does organise, it can actually have a say over how our communities are organised and in whose interests. Is it for people rather than for profit? Yeah, it, it brings up this particular discussion, which is that it gives people a fright to realise that they actually have a right to say what world they mm. live in. There's a right to the city and there's a right to urban space. And I think that the Preston Market campaign, our campaign, is at the forefront of that very battle. And there's a reason why people are so energised by our campaign. They can see that it's more than just a market. They can see it's a battle for the city itself. So um, if we go back to what this government does, uh, and I I mean, it's a particular government. It's been in for probably uh, longer than it should be because you need to move the deck chairs or people get a bit too comfortable, in my view. Uh, But uh, one of the things, and a bit lazy, so they want something in particular and uh, they start. They first off, they say they they're going to consult, right? And it's becoming clearer and clearer over areas of not just Preston Market, but with particular other issues that the consultation. Uh, well, uh, you brought up uh, Barack Beacon. That consultation uh, was not a genuine consultation. They just called it it. And uh, when people uh, rang up to say, you, you said I could be on this board, the people that they rang up said, what board? What are you talking about? You, you know, know, they didn't even know uh, the lie that was told. The official ways and means in which politicians encourage citizens to participate in democracy, they're inherently undemocratic. You think of like developers' courts like VCAT, for example, like the official ways and means are inherently undemocratic. Like our campaign actively participated in these consult consultative hearings during what would have been 2021, 2022, and they almost immediately said that, no, we're going to allow development to occur. And then, of course, the people, a light bulb moment occurs and say, I thought these institutions went to work for us. Absolutely, they don't. And that's why our campaign realised that in order to exert maximum political pressure, we actually had to organise the community. We had to go out there, petition for our views, which was to for the state government to publicly acquire the Preston market, to oppose the demolition of the Preston market. Um, and then we had rallies in Preston. We also actively supported Gaetano Greco's campaign, who ran on an explicitly pro-Preston market ticket, which, as we all know, almost was that close to winning the seat of Preston at the 2022 state election. So our campaign is actively aware of how power operates in the society. Yeah, so what do you reckon was the most important thing that you guys have done to further your campaign? I think that after last last November's result, we recognised the importance of applying political pressure. So we recognised that the newly elected MP, he was he said during the election campaign he, he recognised Preston Market was a big issue on his Facebook page, but everyone recognised it, mate. You've been parachuted in. You don't know what you're talking about. So he was low-hanging fruit. Um, 
within days of our action, he capitulated. And then we recognised as well that the planning minister, initially we had a, we tried to present a letter, tens of thousands strong. Um, she refused to meet with us multiple times. We held a mass meeting in May um, where Preston Town Hall was bursting at the seams onto Kramer Street and there was a huge appetite that if the government refused to listen to us that we would actively engage in mass community action up to including community pickets to actually defend the Preston market. And once again that applied. The government finally recognised, OK, this is a community not to be messed with and that's where you've seen the government come out. So you established it as an issue? Absolutely. Right, okay. And before that, they were just doing um, deferring tactics so that people would uh, get bored and think that power is power and you, you're just peons and piss off. Absolutely. Lots of P words there. Unless we were Sam Tarasio, for example, who ranks is the 44th richest man in his country, perhaps they would have taken us seriously and opened the door to us. But we don't have, we're not a billionaire. Yeah, so you're, you're getting quite close. Today there's going to be a arms around um, uh, Preston Market at 11am uh, Saturday. Uh, now, so you're not, the group isn't deferred by this press release saying that the market's future is in the bag. No, the battle, the battle continues. Um, and the, as we said before, the devil is in the detail. Um, Salter is still threatening to close down the market. They put that threat out there a few months ago saying that if we don't get our way, we will close down the market in January 2024. However, we suspect that that's a stalling tactic by them to maximise the best possible compromise solution from the planning minister. But we want to use this event to reaffirm that there is a lot of love and support for the Preston market. And I implore every listener who's tuning into 3CR today, that if you support Melbourne's beloved Preston Market, that's something I can agree with the planning minister on, um, come down to Preston Station at 11 o'clock this morning, bring your friends, bring your family, bring some, bring a banner, you know, and once it's done... Bring your lunch. Well, you can buy your lunch. lunch at, at you can buy your lunch at Preston Market. I mean, I'm going to get myself a double espresso and a borek from Tammy's today before Preston plays the Giants at Preston City Oval. Candy ants. <laughs> Thanks for coming in and talking to us. Always a pleasure, Annie. And we'll play the church in honour. Pretty maids now far behind 
Solidarity Bricky Team Lister when generous concession from the big four global financial behemoths, tax advisors and invaluable consultants to government. Invaluable? No, no, sorry. On non-value consultants after the government announced it would legislate to impose massive fines, millions and millions, on advice telling clients how to evade paying their taxes. The big four saying it supported the legislation apart from then announcing it would seek little amendments like removing the penalties and allowing them to keep advising clients on tax evasion, pointing out that all their clients meet their legal tax obligations, uh, which obliges them to, to pay no tax. Yes, but you must understand quite legally, they have a legal obligation in those cases to pay no tax. Uh, legal? Well, obviously, there are legal tax obligations which you pay and legal tax obligations which you don't pay. And 
Clearly, our objection to this grossly unfair legislation is obviously no one needs our advice on what they have to pay. They, they want our advice on their legal tax obligations not to pay. Stand by for heavy lobbying so that justice, capitalist style, may prevail. And congratulations to our sundry governments and the property and development industries for their contribution to homelessness this week, for without them we wouldn't have homelessness to celebrate. The property and development great socially conscious citizens' dedication to ensuring roof over our heads costs keep soaring, and governments for ensuring there is less and less public housing as they hand it to the goody-goody private industry that specialises in keeping the homeless in their place on the government's behalves. It's not that government and the caring business class don't care about the homeless. Why? Many of those filthy rich property and development executives sacrifice their comfy beds in their own ultra-expensive prime real estate to spend one night a year sleeping on the MCG turf in a state-of-the-art sleeping bag to raise money for the homeless. A huge help, an invaluable help. It does wonders to ensure we can celebrate Homelessness Week. Well, we know the caring business class generally cares, highlighted as that bastion of care and compassion the Troublawazi Business Profits Council provided a major contribution to the housing debate by assuring us migration had nothing to do with a shortage of housing, of soaring prices and rents. And of course, an advantage of being homeless, as an aside, is you don't have to worry about any of those things, mortgage or rent. Migration, nothing to do with, which in turn has nothing to do with caring employers supporting migration so it can exploit or, sorry, provide jobs for people it so cares about. Although it does oppose evil union attempts to have minimum wages and conditions, a condition of that employment. No, the housing crisis, the ever-thoughtful Business Profits Council told us is down to government. Too much red tape, not making enough land available, not enough incentive for the private sector. And although they didn't say it because they're too kind, but no doubt bloody evil unions and lazy avaricious workers. But things should be looking up because for ages now, governments have recognised these problems and provided lots of incentives for the private sector to solve housing problems. To fix up the odd problem created by, well, when we think about it, perhaps by the private sector. So it's the ideal solution to its own problem because the super-duper obscene profits will also do wonders for the homeless. Bringing us to also caring, the which bank, which used to be our bank, announcing a $10 billion record profit amid many of its customers struggling to afford the basics. But what generosity, what altruism. It did it for those struggling customers, Supremo Matt Conman told us. Yes, he said, the huge, huge obscene profits will allow it to help struggling borrowers. The bigger the profit, the more we can help. And he said that with a straight face. Uh, so you'll provide lots of support, lots of help for those unable to keep up their ever-increasing mortgage payments, Matt. Certainly, and not so certainly, that, that does pose a problem because it would eat into the profits we need to help people struggling with their mortgage repayments. Uh, so how do you get around that problem? 
by hanging on to the obscene record profits. Why? Well, obviously, so we can help those struggling with mortgage repayments. How we've misjudged them, all heart. Oh, and the obscene record profits would act as a buffer for problems the economy faces in the year ahead. They always say that just in case their workers get a bit greedy and think maybe they should benefit a little from the record profits, under the false argument they may have contributed to them, when their contribution to the record profits is no more than 100%. Money grabbers. Oh, and Matt also assured us the which bank, which used to be our bank, was not price gouging. He, he didn't need to say that. It's the last thing on our minds. The journalistic solidarity of the week award, too. <laughs> no need to tell you, you got it. It, yes, a walk up start. Lord Rupert a whopping and his whopping sin. Full page. 100 days. I stand with Evan. Wall Street Journal reporter charged 100 days ago by evil Russia with espionage. Falsely accused. Unjust arrest. Brazen violation of press freedom. Far-reaching consequences to journalism and the media generally. And to governments and democracy everywhere. The Wall Street Journal and the US of the UN of the US of the world government vehemently deny the allegation and have called for his immediate release. A free press is pivotal to maintaining a free society. And oh, how we admire Lord Rupert's dedication to that. Then a P2 half-page story, photo of loads of news, very limited staff, all decrying this injustice. And I thought, when will we see a full page and news, very limited staff, transposing for Evan, Julian? After all, if we go gung-ho to free a US of journalists, then obviously Lord Rupert would be even more concerned about a true blue Aussie journalist, falsely accused of espionage, a brazen violation of press freedom. Uh, why not Julian Assange? Because he is not a real journalist. Didn't you hear US of Secretary for World State blink in the head point out this threat to journalistic freedom put us, put US of security at risk um, by exposing war crimes? Exactly. Train killer actions fighting all across the world for liberty, freedom and democracy are not war crimes. The world is full of very, very dangerous civilians and wedding parties who, who pose as innocent-looking men, women, and children. In fairness, the first war crimes case involving true blue Aussie war crimes is about to start, a whistleblower who exposed them. Anyway, Lord Rupert, congratulations. Your journalistic solidarity of the week award is on its way. We've all seen those ads telling us how much a happy, happy person saved, and more particularly, that the insurance salesperson was like a real friend. Come on, of course they're going to be like a real friend. They're trying to flog your insurance, for God's sake. They're not going to snap. This shit policy costs a fortune. Take it or leave it, but hurry up. I've got work to do. It's a bit confusing, though, because there's so many insurance companies each telling us we'll save the most with them, and it's confusing because... One, this is advertising, and two, these are insurance companies, so naturally we believe all of them, every word they say. Like every word-caring business class party supremo and would-be big supremo, Councilor Peter Duffer says, now that he has come out in support of 
union action. Yes, Pete supports a trade union in its opposition to relieving cost of living pressures. The Pharmacists Union, Pharmacists Guild, supporting its opposition to making medicines cheaper. Customers won't notice any, you know, like difference. They'll pay what they're paying now, but the, the poor pharmacists will pay, you know, like for socialism run riot, like. And Pete said the socialists reverting to calling occupied Palestinian territories occupied Palestinian territories and illegal settlements illegal settlements was a U-turn giving in to those who hate peace. Backed up by the Lord Rupert of Wapping Sin editorialising it as a serious error of judgment in redefining disputed territories and ramping up negative rhetoric on Zion settlements. Shoving Pete and Lord Rupert, no, the UN of the US of the UN of the world is also negative on illegal settlements. And to round off a big week, Pete said the socialists had surrendered to minority voices by not appealing against that federal court decision brought by the Bangala people to prevent a nuclear waste dump at Kimber in South Trublawazi. The local caring business class party member, Rowan Ramsey at Through, described the government decision as <coughs> cowardly, gutless and lacking moral fibre. My God, that is serious. And Pete said the decision showed what national disasters would occur if the voice referendum succeeded. Big week for Pete. And for us, that's now a bit of self-indulgence. Forty years ago this week, 1983, the world's worst ex-treasurer, Paul, delivered the first budget of the new socialist government. I wrote a satirical piece about it from one of the left papers of the time, how Paul had fooled the capitalists into thinking he was on their side. The producer of Parabion, which occupied this time slot for years, presented by our old comrade and friend, the late Bill Hartley, asked me to read it out as a one-off. Then a few days later, Reagan said, why don't you write something for this week? And the one-off became the week that was. The same running joke for 40 years. Where have all those years gone, I asked myself. Well, I'm sure our listener would think it feels more like 140 years of torture. A few years ago, it took a few months in a new year to get a team together for this time slot. And meanwhile, Jan Bartlett asked me to do the week that was on her Tuesday home time program at four. Thus, we still now do pretty much a repeat on Tuesdays as well. One thing hasn't changed. The greatest little economic order of them all, the delicate flower that is the economy, still controls our lives. We've suffered numerous spokespeople for the sundry chambers of profits who all spew out exactly the same anti-worker, anti-union venom, but thanks to their continued hegemony, the climate, the environment, has deteriorated as the interests of capital prevail. The US of continues to practice war is peace, continues to ensure the Palestinian non-land, non-people remain non-land, non-people. True Blue Aussie continues to be its puppet, and the first peoples of this land continue to be anything but first in their own country. So finally, from our first 40 years ago, bad news, listener, next week we start our 41st year. Good morning. Hi, I'm Ahmed from Fridor Primary School, and you're listening to Community Radio on 3CR. 
It's coming up to Science Week again, and that can only mean one thing. Yes, it's the Lost in Science Trivia Night. Monday the 14th of August, 7pm at the Bush Hotel in Abbotsford. Come early for dinner, bring a team, win prizes, show off your brains, and raise money for science on the radio. Send an email to book your table to lostinsci at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-I-N-S-C-I at gmail.com and we will sort you out for tickets. Lost in Science Trivia Night, Monday the 14th of August. Remember to tune in each Thursday at 8.30am for all your sciencey goodness. my job two weeks before Christmas and I talked to Jesus at the sewer and the Pope said it was none of his goddamn business while the rain drank champagne My Estonian archangel came and got me wasted Cause the sweetest kiss I ever got Is the one I've never tasted Oh, but they'll take Their bonus pay To Molly McDonald Neon lady Beauty's that which obeys Is bought or borrowed Cause my heart's become a crooked hotel Full of rumors But it's I who pays the rent For these fingered face Are the tuners And I make sixteen Solid half hour friendships Every evening Cause your queen of hearts who's half a stone and likes to laugh alone Is always threatening you with leaving Oh, but they'll play those token games On Willie Thompson 
And give a medal to replace the sun Of Mrs. Annie Johnson Cause they told me everybody's gotta pay their dues And I explained that I had overpaid them So overdue I went to the company store And the clerk there said that they had just been invaded So I set sail in a teardrop And escaped beneath the door sill Cause the smell of her perfume Echoes in my head still Cause I see my people trying to drown the sun In weekends of whiskey sours Cause how many times can you wake up in this comic book And plant flowers Workers Federation took part in the longest boycott in Australian history after Finochet took over in Chile. A democratically elected government was overthrown with the help of the United States. There are many Chileans in Australia who suffered torture, imprisonment and whose family members have been disappeared. We can't move forward as a society without healing these past crimes. The Chilean community, in partnership with the AMWU's International Solidarity Initiative, is holding a commemorative event for the 50th anniversary of Chile's coup, September 11, the day that changed us forever. Join generations of Chilean refugees, exiles and recent arrivals together with Australian unionists and activists in the Solidarity Movement for a night of testimonies, speakers, poetry and music on Monday, September 11 from 6pm at Solidarity Hall at the Victorian Trades Hall. This event will be held in English and all are welcome. To register, search for Chile 50 Years on eventbrite.com.au. Chile, 50 years of solidarity and struggle. A 3CR supporter. Uh, and the song I played, of course, was in honour of Rodriguez, who also died, <coughs> uh, Cause. And what a poet. 
Everyone had to pay their dues, he said. I had overpaid, he said. <laughs> what a great poet. Uh, we're now going to the last part of the program and uh, we're going to go to the steps of the uh, State Library. Uh, on Wednesday, the NUS, National Union of Students, held a rally. Uh, it was uh, welfare, not warfare. And uh, it was uh, marking the uh, the day that uh, a um, nuclear bomb was dropped on Nagasaki 78 years ago. Of course, on Sunday, there was a rally Hiroshima Day, marking the first bomb that uh, killed over 200,000 people uh, in one fell swoop. Because, uh, you know, our, our mates, the Americans, are the, on- are the only ones who have the great uh, illustrious honour of actually having... Uh, been mass murderers at on that level, uh, but of course that would just be bleating to bring it to the table. But anyway, uh, this is uh, in a line with uh, some of the stuff that's already been discussed about the uh, waste dump, nuclear waste dump, uh, being kiboshed in Kimba uh, after the Indigenous peoples' uh, um, court case uh, to defend their lands against such culminary. Uh, here we go. Our first speaker is Dave Sweeney. Dave is one of the co-founders of the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, an organisation um, set up to fight the proliferation of nuclear weapons, um, some of the most devastating and destructive um, things in our society. Today is the anniversary of the bombing of Nagasaki, which killed thousands upon thousands of people. Um, uh, almost entirely civilians, both in the initial blast um, and in the years since. I think it's really important that um, Dave is here speaking today um, and that we're opposing um, the attempt to make Australia, take Australia one step closer to being um, a nuclear armed state. So please, please welcome Dave Sweeney from the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. Thank you, Xavier, and thank you, crew, for being here in Nam on this sunny day. And a really important day to gather and remember. Like Xavier said, today is the anniversary of the bombing of Nagasaki. 80,000 people finished like that. Many more over many years and continuing legacy and impact today. It's pivotal to remember that. It's pivotal to reflect and respect. And it's particularly essential to ensure that it's never replicated. Nuclear weapons pose a current and existential threat. All we need to look about is the talk of nuclear weapons in Ukraine um, and other conflicts and the increased pressure right now around the world. Increased global tension, reduced global cooperation. This is a bad context at the best of times. And when you're talking about escalating nuclear threat and tension in Australia through AUKUS, it's a long way from the best of times. So. There's a lot of attention now to nuclear weapons, more than there has been for a while, and that's really good because it's on the back of the Oppenheimer film. Now, whatever you think of Hollywood blockbusters and whatever you think of Oppenheimer, the film, it has elevated awareness of this issue. People who weren't talking about nuclear weapons now are, and that is essential. Oppenheimer's work was unveiled on the 6th, of August and the 9th of August 1945 in the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and our entire world has lived under that mushroom cloud planet ever since. And 70 years ago this October, 
The British version of Oppenheimer's vision was outlined and unveiled in the Australian desert with the first mainland nuclear test in October at Emu Field in Northern South Australia. Now that caused massive dislocation, cultural damage, environmental damage, continuing health damage to First Nations people. And those impacts are felt today. And it's really imperative that we don't, on the 70th anniversary of one imperial atomic adventure, launch into another one by locking ourselves into war fighting plants with AUKUS. Nuclear submarines are stealth weapons and this whole process for Australia to obtain them is being also advanced by stealth. The AUKUS plan was described by the head of Navy as the most consequential decision in Australia's history. It is the biggest single spend in Australia's history and yet there has been no scrutiny. No parliamentary scrutiny, no public scrutiny, no independent assessment, no risk, cost-benefit analysis, nothing. You have to work harder to get a five grand grant to upgrade the Dunnies or the kitchen at a netball club than you have to get access to 368 billion to get nuclear submarines and lock us into global warfighting plans. If this is the most consequential decision in Australia's history, it should have been put before the Australian people, and it still should. There's a lot of unanswered questions about AUKUS. One of them is high-level waste. We've never had it before. Now we're going to have to manage it. It's a real concern, a real problem. It's a massive cost. It's currently uncosted. There are heaps of other problems. The opportunity cost, what misses out, mental health, housing, a whole range of good things lose out to chuck money down the funnel of warfighting plans, our sovereignty, our independent foreign policy. What about port safety? What about our capacity to deal with an accident? Which our federal nuclear regulator said our rules, our regulations and our capacity are not fit for purpose for a future of, with nuclear submarines. Now that's not ACF or Friends of the Earth or Greenpeace or ICANN, that is the Federal Nuclear Regulator, not fit for purpose. What about our emergency response capacity? What about our perception of ourselves and how we're perceived in our region? All of these things are unanswered. All of these things are adverse. They need to be tested. Nuclear weapons don't need to be tested. The assumptions behind those who are driving them need to be tested. So congratulations to NUS for the recent resolution up in Brisbane that was strong and clear and good and gutsy and important. That's part of a growing industrial labour and indeed labour branch groundswell against this. Labour National Conference is next week in Brisbane and there's going to be like a lot of attention on this. This is really important to build this beforehand. All action and attention is needed. Thank you for being here today. And there's one thing in particular, wearing the ICANN hat. The Prime Minister, the Foreign Minister, the Defence Minister, they've stood their hand on heart and they've said nuclear submarines are not a precursor to us getting, accepting or acquiescing to nuclear weapons. Well, prove it, ministers. Sign the treaty for the prohibition of nuclear weapons that would make that clear and send a signal to all of us and our region that this is not a stalking horse for even dumber, riskier and more financially and human expensive activities. Sign that treaty, Mr Albanese. Thanks for being here. Keep it up. All the best.
to AUKUS, no to war. This is what we're fighting for. No to AUKUS, no to war. This is what we're fighting for. No to AUKUS, no to war. Our next speaker is Sana Swart from um, Friends of the Earth. Um, Sana is the uh, so the collective coordinator at the Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth. Um, please make Sana very welcome. She's been a part of um, uh, standing in solidarity with the um, uh, Bangala people in Kimba um, against the imposition of a nuclear waste dump. Please make her welcome. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. First, I want to acknowledge that I'm standing to on Wurundjeri land and that traditional owners are on the forefront and bearing the, bearing the brunt of uh, the nuclear industry when we're talking about these issues. So, um, and thank you all for caring about this issue and coming out here today. From Friends of the Earth, we have a 50-year history working with standing with traditional owners against the nuclear industry and the projects planned on their land. I want to talk a little bit, um, like moving on from what, what Dave has said and what Xavier has said and the, the nuclear impact that we're going to face, traditional owners and frontline communities, workers at the forefront, but in the end, it's going to affect all of us. So nuclear submarines would mean a port with nuclear submarines that are not nuclear armed but are nuclear propelled, which still, if you attack it, it is a floating nuclear bomb. It will impact whatever port it is in and the port that it will be in will be a military target. So there's some really strong opposition in Wollongong, Port Klembla. They're not just saying no to uh, uh, submarines here, we're saying no to submarines everywhere and they're going to stand together in solidarity with whatever port it's proposed on and we're going to stand in solidarity with them. The second thing is uranium mining. Australia is the third biggest uranium miner in the world and a big exporter and the uranium mines with the Olympic Dam in Roxby Downs is the biggest, single biggest deposit in the world with uranium. It's the second biggest mine in the world. And um, Uncle Kevin Bozakot, who is a traditional Aravana elder from that region, has been opposing that mine from the beginning. And he said, this is not their land to destroy. This land belongs to the little ones. This land belongs to the future generations, you guys. And we need to look after it. And you guys, the young people and thousands of generations to come are going to have to deal with the high-level nuclear waste that is coming out of these submarines. So I want a big shout out to Uncle Kevin. We stand with him and to say no to uranium mining. No to uranium mining! No the second one is the waste. So the high-level waste that we talked about, we've been working with um, Kimba traditional owners, the Bangala traditional owners, opposing a nuclear waste dump that is planned on their land at the moment. They just won a court battle, and we just need the Albanese government, who have inherited this flawed plan from the Morrison government, to walk away from this plan. This is the sixth battle in 26 years that the government has been trying to put down impose a nuclear waste dump on traditional owners land and this is the sixth time traditional owners have won the next battle ahead 
is going to be a little bit more tricky because we've got defense behind it and it's the excuse of the nuclear submarines that is going to impose the high level waste dump and that's going to be there for 100,000 of years of radioactive waste this is going to shame this is going to affect everyone i'm so heartened to see you all come out here we need more young people joining this fight um, our call to action is come and join Friends of the Earth, join the, the student union, join the environmental group in your uni and get together on this issue. We look forward to working together with all of you to make a big movement, to grow this movement and to make sure we can stop this. Thank you. Yep, that's... That was the uh, NUS rally on uh, Wednesday and it has been announced that the Kimberway stump is kaput, no more. So the fight was uh, won, but uh, of course the uh, nuclear waste uh, is still there, of course. It's still an issue. That's the end of the program uh, today. Uh, coming up next is Asia Pacific Currents and we'll go out with a fabulous song from the past since that's what we've been playing this morning.
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.